Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we start a brand new series. That's something I haven't said in 32 weeks. <laughs> we start a brand new series today uh, we're going to call Staying Present in the Presence. And uh, it'll actually just be a rehashing of that last series <laughs> with a new title because I really only know six sermons and I just keep repackaging and putting them along and it's worked so far, so. Uh, we spent eight months talking about digging deeper in and getting connected to God. And now I wanna spend some time looking at um, staying present in the presence of God throughout our day and what that looks like. And, and we're, I wanna use as a model for this encounters that Jesus has throughout the book of Luke. And because uh, see, whenever you want to really learn how to do something, you want to see if you can figure out what Jesus did and then, and then learn from him because he's our model for life and ministry. Jesus is humanity as God intended it to be. And so we always want to look at um, Jesus and the encounters that he had so that we can learn about what life looks like and the way that we're supposed to move through this life together. And when you really look at the scripture, um, Jesus will often do things in encounters that you would not expect him to do. And that's why it's so important that we look at it. In fact, he often does the exact opposite of what our religious minds think he's going to do because we get messed up pretty quickly. And he, and he moves in a completely different d uh, direction. And so I want to look at some encounters that he has with people and situations so that we can learn, hopefully, from him about how to stay present in, in the presence of God throughout the course of the day. I'm uh, using the book of Luke as a foundation because Luke um, is sometimes referred to as the gospel of prayer because Luke really emphasizes the humanity of Jesus by emphasizing his prayer life. And, and throughout Luke, you'll see um, oftentimes where Jesus has gone off, he's withdrawn to pray by himself, and, and he gets very connected uh, in, in, to God, and then he's, right afterwards, Luke records sort of significant events in his life. And so there's something about the connection that Luke is trying to make between this, the prayer life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus in uh, the world around us. And so um, the effectiveness of Jesus' ministry, I believe what Luke is trying to point out there is that he was constantly seeking the Father and what the Father wanted him to do. And, and here's where you have to sort of understand at some level, and it's, it's tricky, but, but Trinity, God, Father, uh, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, they interact and they're, they're one, but they're three. Uh, and, and Jesus, while he was here incarnate, um, he was connected to God through prayer and, and by the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So he was fully God and let he was, he was fully man. And so you need to balance that because a lot of times I think people will look at Jesus and they, oh, of course he did that, he was God. Well, yes, and yes he was. At the same time, he was dependent here on the same things that we're dependent on in order to connect into the kingdom of God being available and open to the Holy Spirit and, and yielded in, in, and spending time in prayer, connected into what's happening. And so we can see from, from what he demonstrates how we're to stay connected and how we're to move into the kingdom of God as well. And Jesus says, look, you'll do things like this. And that's what we need to hang on to and remember and understand in the process of our lives. And so uh, what we're gonna start talking about today is, is uh, in Luke chapter three, 
and we're going to look at the, the baptism, that, uh, Jesus' baptism. It's just a good day to start because we just had a baptism too, so it all sort of tied nicely together. And uh, uh, we're going to look at that encounter and what was happening. So we're going to dig into staying present in the presence, part one. But first, a little aside, as you know, I like to take. There's this very arrogant and atheistic astrophysicist. And he's, you know, real sure of himself and in his science and that he's smarter than everybody else, particularly Christians. And he sees a a local pastor at uh, some sort of gathering and he walks up to him and he's real smug and and sure of himself. And he, he, you know, he just wants to kind of have fun and mock the pastor a little bit. And he said, you know, uh, pastor, wouldn't you agree that all of Christian theology could be summed up in the simple Sunday school song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And the pastor sort of looked back and, and smiled at him with a, you know, nice humility. He says, yeah, yeah kind of, I guess, I guess you could say that really the, the heart of it is summed up in that song. And then the pastor looks at the atheistic astrophysicist. He said, but you know, would, would you then agree that astrophysics could be summed up in the song, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, How I Wonder What You Are? That's all I had. There's no more to the exchange. You really can't learn much from that encounter, but hopefully we'll learn more from Jesus' encounter. (laughs) And the scripture reading is here on purpose. Luke chapter three, verses 21 through 23. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. So let's work through these verses together to see what we can learn uh, to help us stay present in his presence throughout the day. First point that I want to make is this, that Jesus lived and died and lives for you. Jesus lived and died and lives for you. Luke 3, 21, there in the beginning, it says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Now, um, that really should sort of make you question why. Why would Jesus get baptized? John's baptism was clearly for sinners. Jesus was sinless. So why would he get baptized? And in fact, in Matthew's encounter of um, the baptism, Matthew actually records that John the Baptist was trying to deter Jesus from getting baptized But Jesus replies there in Matthew, and he says, no, it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So what was proper about it? Why was it important to Jesus that he get baptized? And here we go with this little concept I started with earlier, because Jesus is both fully God and fully man. So he underwent baptism and ultimately death as only a human could. He lived a sinless life and defeated death and rose from the dead as only God. And so the baptism by John in the Jordan was another way of Jesus identifying with us as lost, sinful, and hurting people. And here's uh, how I think that really helps us to stay in his presence throughout the day. When you are going through the sort of hard and difficult parts of your day and your life, you need to always remember that you have a savior who understands you. He understands what it is to be human. And, and you need to know that he lived for you and he died for you 
He defeated death for you, and he lives again for you. You can fix your eyes on him knowing that he loves you and that he's with you and that he's for you. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. I just think it's so helpful during the day to... um, because here's the deal, when you're trying to really walk this thing out and stay, you know, we got connected early and now we're trying to stay present with God in the day. Throughout the day, all sorts of opportunities come up to drag us away and get us distracted. It's, it's pretty much nonstop. And a lot of times in, in, you know, our own messes get us up and the, and the evil one will even try and say, hey, who do you think you are? Look at what you just did or look at what you just said or look at what you just thought. And, and what you need to know is this, that Jesus is with you and he's for you and he understands you. He gets you. He sympathizes with your weakness. He knows what it is to be fully human. The difference was he never sinned. We do. But he gets it. And to me, there's something so helpful about knowing that no matter what's going on, at any point in the day, I can just stop and go, you know what? Okay, yeah, I'm a mess. But he loves me. And he understands me. And he knows. He knows. I want to do the next right thing. And then with that understanding, I can slip right back into it again. I don't have to be taken away from it. I'm no good. I'm not going to make it. I, you know, can't. I just can get right back into his presence and start to hang out with him again. Because I don't want to miss what he's doing in, in my life and in the day. See, God's at work. And, and he's always doing neat stuff. And it's up to us to stay connected enough to see what it looks like so that we can stay with him. Second point. The Holy Spirit is with us and in us also. I mean, like he was in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is available in us and to us as believers. Luke 3, 21 carries on this way. It says, and as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Here's this, this amazing picture of the Trinity in action, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, all, all taking place in this part of um, this encounter right at that moment. And you know, sometimes when we talk about Trinity, like I said, we get, it's a little tough for us. There, there are no um, natural sort of um, things that exist to really help us to understand the Trinity better because it's a, it's a God thing. It's beyond, a little bit beyond our comprehension other than we see these things taking place in the scripture. And there, there we see this beautiful picture of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all just sort of uh, these things happening. And this is the beginning, uh, this marks the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus like a dove. And now anointed with the Holy Spirit, he goes out, Jesus goes out so at that time, and he starts this life-changing ministry to the world. And what the scripture tells us is that when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you as well. And the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives equips us for the kingdom of God, life, and ministry that we've been called and created for. 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God, you are not your own. See, the Spirit helps us and enables us in so many areas of life that we, we can't begin to, to sort of list them all in our, in our time together. But we do want to talk about a few of them today. 
And in order to help me just a little bit, uh, for the next couple of points, I've asked Doug to come and help me with this today. Doug, come on up and uh, give us an idea about what's happening here. Okay. Check this on. You're on. All right. I'm used to talking to teenagers, so I apologize if I tell you to pipe down and knock it off. Uh, just in advance. Uh, Subpoint A is that the Holy Spirit helps us to live as witnesses. He helps us to live as witnesses. He gives us the power to do the next right thing. One of the things I like to think about with the Holy Spirit is it's the same Holy Spirit that the disciples got. We get that same power to do the same mission that they got, and that's to live as witnesses. We witness with our mouths, we talk to people about the Word, and we also witness through our character, witness by doing the right thing. In Acts 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said this while he was talking to the disciples after the resurrection. And it was an answer to the question from verse 6, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? But God had bigger plans than just restoring the kingdom to Israel. He wanted it spread across the world. And after he said what was in verse 8, he ended up going to heaven on a cloud and said, bye-bye, you get the Holy Spirit now. That's how you're going to minister. And that's what they did. So he helps us to live as witnesses. Point B is that he helps us to worship. He helps us in our worship. Uh, The Holy Spirit is typically felt when we're playing music on stage, and that's really a great way, as a congregation, we can feel the presence in a 25-minute time slot. Uh, Another way we worship is through our service. And one of my favorite services is doing the $1 car wash. I've been involved in every single one we've done, and I'm the guy who gives the dollar to the person in the car. And it's really interesting to see that because that's where the Spirit's moving the most. Because they wash their car, you know, they get all clean, speak and span, and then I just hand them the dollar. They just give me a look. Like, what's that? And I have the same conversation with every single person. I answer them, it's a dollar. (laughs) Then they ask, what's it for? I say, well, it's for the $1 car wash. You get your car washed, then you get a dollar. And then they usually try to give me like five, 10, 20 bucks. I'm like, no, 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 keep the dollar. And they're like, well, I can't keep the dollar. You keep it. I don't want to keep it. You keep it. The same conversation every single time. But it's the spirit working in them, trying to get them here. It's a great witness. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. It says, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. That's kind of a model for worship. Circumcision means those who have given themselves to God. Uh, The Spirit of God is what allows us to worship. It's what we feel when we worship. The glory in Christ Jesus is why we worship. We only worship for God's glory. If God's glory wasn't in it, there'd be no need to worship. We'd just be worshiping nothing. And then no confidence in the flesh shows our need for worship. We don't rely on ourselves. We rely on God. That's all I've got to say about that. For point C, I'm going to give it back to Pastor Steve. Thank you for listening. Good job. Thank you. Thank you very much. I should mute this, shouldn't I? You should now mute this. Okay. The Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers. That's point C. The Holy Spirit helps us in our prayers. Ephesians 6.18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. The Holy Spirit's 
um, there to help us pray, even when we just don't know what we're supposed to pray or how we're supposed to pray. And it's a, it's a reminder, another reminder of our complete dependence on God for everything that matters. You know, sometimes um, when, when we just start to hang out with God, we get a sense that, that we want to dig deeper and, and we're not exactly sure how we're supposed to get there. But the Holy Spirit will help us if we'll just yield ourselves to him and he'll, he'll help us to know how we're supposed to pray. And I, maybe you've had this experience where uh, all of a sudden someone will just sort of pop into your mind and you'll begin to pray for them. And you'll find out later on it was a good thing that you were praying for them because they were going through something at the time. That's the Holy Spirit at work. And he, he helps us and he leads us and he guides us in the things that we need to pray for. Pray for. D. He also provides us with supernatural power. The Holy Spirit provides us with supernatural power. And part of being present in his presence throughout the day is understanding that the Holy Spirit gives us supernatural power to enable the ministry that we have been given. This power is, is most often displayed in the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 7 says this, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, I, I, I wanted to emphasize that last point. The Holy Spirit enables us and empowers us for ministry for the common good. And, and I believe, and there's an extensive list of gifts of the Spirit, that um, my belief is this, that when what God is looking for in a situation is somebody that's willing to be used by him. Sometimes we start to think that, well, and we'll even say, well, this is my gift. This is my spiritual gift, and we just say, that's it. And there's certainly, there may be some things that you are more gifted in than others, but I fully believe this, that the Holy Spirit will enable you with whatever you need to minister to the person that needs to be ministered throughout the day because the gift is ultimately for them. It, it might pass through you, but it's not your gift. I, I, I just think that it's the gift of the Spirit for that person. It's that person that needs edification, or it's that person that needs a healing, or it's that person that needs a, a person that needs a word. It's that person who needs something from the Lord at that point in time through the Holy Spirit. And, and so God's just looking for willing vessels. And we need to understand throughout the day. Because we can get into a situation and maybe we'll feel a little overwhelmed. Well, this is something that we, we can't deal with. But, but we can pray and we can ask God and we can just step out if he tells us to and, and we can do whatever we can in the situation. We're, we need to be ready to, to move into whatever it looks like. That's why I'm always telling you, you know, you pray for people. If you run across someone that needs prayer because they need healing, you step up and pray. God's more than able to run that through you. Even if you go, well, I, I don't, that's not, God's able to use you in the process. He's just looking for willing people because it's all on him anyway. See, that's, that's the whole thing is it's always about him. Sometimes as believers, um, we have a tendency to sort of exalt people because they seem very gifted in certain ways. But see, it's the Holy Spirit who's the giver of the gifts and he's the one that's to be exalted and it really wasn't about them. They were just open and, and it was just heading through them to whoever needed the gift 
that the Holy Spirit had to give. I always like the illustration of a plumber. And uh, it, it, to me, it's, it's like this. It's like a plumber that's going out on a job, and he has a tool belt on, but he doesn't put any tools in his tool belt. It's just an empty tool belt. And he, and he gets to whatever the plumbing job might be, and then he sees that he needs a crescent wrench, and uh, he's just uh, trusting in the Lord, and when he reaches into his tool belt, there's the crescent wrench. And he uses the crescent wrench, and then, and then he says, oh, I need some, you know, uh, I need another. See, now my plumbing illustration's going bad because I don't know enough plumbing. I need some of that white tapey stuff that you put on the threads. And uh, the white tapey stuff, now most of you know. And he, and he pulls it, and there's some white tapey stuff, and he uses that, and then he puts, and whatever he needs to do what's required of him is available to him in the process. I believe that the Spirit of God works in us like that. That, that we just go sort of with an empty tool belt, open to whatever God's going to do, and he'll give us what we need for that person at that point in time. And that's one of the cool things about staying present in the presence is that you can come across a situation and you might go, well, I can't do anything about that. But if you listen, you'd be surprised at what God might have you do on the journey. And so um, you, you check that out along the way. Third, last point about staying present in the present today is trusting in God's timing and plans and purpose. Trusting in God's timing and plans and purpose. Luke 3.3, 3, I don't know if you ever thought about this, I, I think about this all the time. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Have you ever thought about Jesus hanging out patiently in a little carpenter shop in Nazareth until he was 30 to get going? He knew who he was. I mean, he'd, he'd had, you know, he was in 12, he went and astounded all the teachers of the day with who he was, but it wasn't his time yet. And so he just waited. And he, I, just, I have this picture, might say I have a funny mind, but, but, uh, of him, I have a picture of him just waking up and toddling off to the little carpenter shop there in Nazareth and spending his days, you know, carpentering and whatever that looks like and, and just living like everybody else. Because later on, the people were like, wasn't he the carpenter's son? Who's that guy think he is? And uh, can, can you imagine their, their confusion? Like, because now he's, you know, he's praying for people and people are, you know, being healed and raising the dead. And, uh, and, and, but he, he hung out in the carpenter shop from the time he was this big until he was 30, he, we, he wasn't doing, what's he all about? And, and see, I, to me, it's such this amazing picture of the timing and the plans and the purpose of God. And see, he patiently trusts in the Father's timing for his life and ministry. And we also, to stay present in his presence, have to trust his timing and plans for us. We need to be ready to go when he calls. We need to be ready to wait if he tells us to wait. We need to break away from our own plans for the day if necessary because he has other plans for us. And we have to trust that that's what he's calling us to at that moment. That, oops, there's this, this little situation and, and I think God wants me to stop and maybe take care of that. And... Um, that whole sort of concept will help us to stay really focused on him because we're, we're going to learn to trust him for his plans and purposes for our day, not just our own. So life, real life, the life that we're talking about is found staying present in his presence, knowing that Jesus lived and died and lives for us, knowing that the spirit is in us and leading, helping and empowering us and knowing that God's timing and plans are better than ours and that we can trust in him. That's how we begin, staying present in the presence. And we'll pick this up for the next 31 weeks. No, I'm teasing. Uh, <laughs> starting, starting again.
next week, but we'll already be in Luke chapter 4, so we're making huge progress in the book of Luke. All right, that's where we're going to end it for today. If you're watching on television or on video, thank you so much. We appreciate you spending time with us. We know how valuable your time is, and and, uh, we are grateful to spend this time with you. So if there's anything that uh, you would like us to pray for, send us an email or give us a call, and we will certainly pray for you, and we, uh, we look forward to getting back with you soon.